Good evening, church. It's uh, great to see everyone. Welcome back to Midweek. Uh, our women had a phenomenal Women's Day, both in Staten Island and uh, in Brooklyn last Sunday. Praise God. Uh, I heard you guys had a wonderful time. I watched on television and uh, I was amening. I was cheering you guys on. Um, I actually teared up a couple of times. I mean, the, the sharing, the whole program was just phenomenal. So, you know, kudos to you all, sisters. Very happy for you. Um, and so tonight, like has just been announced, uh, after I am done tonight, uh, after a closing prayer, we, we need all the sisters to stay on. Uh, like Daisy said, you know, so what's next? Uh, you guys are going to be talking about that for a few minutes. And so I need all the brothers, if you can just, you know, handle, leave the device for your wife and go, go take care of the kids, go put them to bed. Uh, that would be tremendous. And uh, so that our sisters can have a tremendous time, even as I speak tonight, after I speak tonight. But for Sunday, uh, the Zoom service we're going to be having in Brooklyn, our brother Darren Thomas is going to be preaching. And so that service will start on Zoom, same link like this one, at 11 o'clock in the morning. Last week, I started talking about managing God's money. And uh, so tonight, I want to continue the treasure principle. So this is lesson two about managing God's money. And so last week, I talked about principle number one, which is you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. And that scripture is obviously based on Matthew 6, which we're also going to look at again tonight, where Jesus said we shouldn't store for ourselves treasures on earth, but rather we, should, we need to store our treasures in heaven where thieves and more than other stuff cannot destroy. And then I also told us last week that in the New York City Church, in our two regions here, we have 197 given units in Brooklyn, and we have 51 given units in Staten Island. Last week, I talked about the different types of givers. We have diligent givers, regular givers, sporadic givers, occasional givers, and non-givers. And I encourage us that every member of our church needs to become a diligent giver. Uh, again, I'm appealing to you tonight that those of us who are sporadic givers or occasional givers or even non-givers that would truly imitate our brothers and sisters that are very diligent in the grace of giving. Uh, that's what I'm going to be talking about again tonight and for the next two weeks. And then like Wally uh, announced, starting in April, we'll start a new format where, you know, week one, everybody, I believe it's week two, just the men, week three, just the women. Week four, we'll split marrieds and singles. And then if we have a fifth week in the month, we'll have a, a special topic that we'll teach, but obviously we'll announce that in advance. I also looked at Deuteronomy chapter eight last week, beginning verse 17, where it talks about how it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. And that's why it's important that, again, we, we, give, the first, we give our first fruits back to him, you know, because everything belongs to him every, anyhow. I also talked about principle number two last week. And that was the fact that God owns everything and that you and I are simply his money managers. And so I asked us the question last week, am I living and acting as if the money belongs to me? Uh, I talked very briefly about 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We know this passage very well that, you know, you basically reap what you sow. If you give sparingly to God, you're going to receive sparingly from God. But if you give generously to God, you're going to receive generously from God, you know. And so tonight, brothers and sisters, I want to talk about principle number three. And I'm just going to get right to it. Principle number three. 
in the treasure principle based on Matthew 6. Principle number three is simple. Our hearts always goes where we put God's money. Our hearts always goes where we put God's money. Or maybe that you read always go, okay? So pardon my English if that is wrong, all right? Again, Matthew chapter 6 is verse 19. It says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is the part I'm going to be focused on, focusing on in tonight. That verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Brothers and sisters, our hearts always follows our money. That's the way it works. The heart always follows where our treasure is. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 6. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is William Whitton Borden. He died in 1913. This is a picture of his graveyard, his graveside, I should say, in the American Missionary Cemetery in Cairo, Egypt. He was from a very affluent, wealthy family. If you Google the name Borden, B-O-R-D-M, you will see the symbol of a cow coming up. They own dairy farms and they produce milk and other items in the U.S. That's the family this guy was from. When he graduated from Yale University, he decided to go on the mission field, to go preach the gospel. He first went to Cairo to learn how to truly be able to communicate the gospel to Muslims. He was headed to India. He gave hundreds and thousands of dollars to missions. He had no car. After 14 months in Egypt, he died of spinal meningitis at the age of 25. In his Bible, on the front part, he had simply written, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. When he died, he's renouncing of his family wealth. It was front page news in the newspapers. It was big news because here was this guy who had it all. He had the education, he had the money, he had the wealth. He was going to inherit the boarding fortune and he gave it all up. And instead of going into the family business, he left America and he was heading out as a missionary. His heart was in spreading the gospel to others. And that's why he went on the mission field. I want you to compare Borden's gripsite 
to the boy king's gravesite. That is King Tutankhamun, who died at the age of 17. This is a picture of his burial chamber that was discovered in 1922. The pictures on the right is one showing the restoration of his burial chamber. Several years ago, when we lived in Atlanta, they were doing a tour and they brought some of the stuff from inside King Tut's tomb to Atlanta. And I remember taking my family because I felt this is a once in a lifetime kind of thing. His gold coffin was found within gold tombs. The burial site was filled with tons of gold. And as a matter of fact, I think last week I was reading that they just discovered another chamber where he's buried. So you ask, why do the Egyptians back then, why did they bury their dead with gold? The Egyptians believed that in the afterlife, you would have access to your earthly treasures. But obviously, like you and I know, like the Bible teaches, we came with nothing. We're going to depart with nothing. All the treasures that King Tut had, yes, they buried with him. He couldn't take anything with him. And the same is going to be true for us. We came into this world with nothing and we're going to live with nothing. And that's why it's important that we heed what Matthew 6 is saying and what Jesus is telling us in Matthew 6 to store us treasures on the other side. Because that's the only thing that's going to last forever. Here's a tomb that they haven't touched for over 3,000 years. And it was discovered in 1922. So you may ask, as a Christian, what will heaven be like? Heaven is not going to be a boring place, brothers and sisters, where you and I are floating around in clouds and and playing harps, that, that's not it. I, I, I don't see anywhere anything like that in scripture. Those kind of paintings that you see of what heaven is going to be like, it was started being painted during the Renaissance, okay? Revelation 20 verse 6, you can write this passage down, tells us that when you and I get to heaven, we're going to reign with Christ. We also know from Matthew 25 verses 21 to 23, that some will be put in charge of many things. Go study it out. It's, it's there. It's not as if when we get to heaven, we're just going to be sitting around doing nothing. Some of us are going to be put in charge of many things. Number two, some of us will be given leadership over cities. That's what it says in Luke 19, verses 12 to 19. Some will be given leadership over cities in proportion to their service on this earth. Go study it out. Very interesting. Number three. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, the Bible says, some of us will judge angels. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm putting these scriptures here for a reason. Go look them up. The Bible refers to five different crowns suggesting leadership positions in the New Testament. Okay? And so I, I encourage you to study this stuff out. We all remember the rich young ruler. This guy comes to Jesus. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
The Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. He says, you know the commandments. And Jesus starts to rattle out the commandments. And the rich young ruler said, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and said, one thing you lack. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. That's Matthew 19 verse 21. And you and I know how that story ended. The Bible tells us that the man walked away sad because he had great wealth. So much so, Jesus says, you know what? It is very hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, as a matter of fact, it is easier for a camel to go to the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The apostles were like, are you kidding me? Who then can be saved? He says, nothing is impossible with God. And at the end of that passage, when you go study it out, Jesus does say, you know what? All of you who have given up homes and brothers and fathers and sisters for my sake and the kingdom, you will receive a hundred times over what you gave up and then eternal life. And persecutions. And persecutions. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. But you see, that's 10,000% what you and I have given up on this earth. You see, when you and I said Jesus is Lord, we gave it all up, everything. That's why my money is not my own. It never was. All the material blessings that God has bestowed on me and God has bestowed on you, God expects us to use it to glorify his name. God expects us to use it to win tons and tons of souls. That's why he's given it to us. Those of us, all of us in here that are now Christians, people use their resources to help us. And now you and I are in the kingdom of God. And God expects us, in a matter of speaking, to pay it forward. And to continue to use everything he's blessed us with so that one day people will be able to spend eternity on the other side. Just this afternoon before I came on and we started uh, the service this evening, I got, a I got some bad, bad news about a brother I was very close to uh, in Gainesville, Florida. He had become a Christian before me. And uh, I, I heard he passed on Sunday. He had stomach cancer. And I remember talking to him several years ago. Uh, he had left the church. Um, and I'd gone to visit Gainesville during that time. And, 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 I, and, I, and I talked with him on the telephone. And I was pleading to him. And I was pleading to him. I said, you know what? You, you got to come back to your God. He was very upset about, you know, many things. And, but I just listened. And I said, you know, the next time I come, to Gainesville, you know, I love for us to get together face to face. All of a sudden, this afternoon, I got a phone call that he's passed on. Wonderful brother, had a tremendous voice. My prayer is that I hope he got right with his God. Because I understand he's been battling. Uh, he, he got the diagnosis back in December. Because I called one of the elders in the church over there and found out, you know, and he just found out also. And so, brothers and sisters, this life is very short. The question is, where is your treasure? I'm sure this hasn't escaped you. 
It's been all over the news. The Silicon Valley Bank has gone under. As a matter of fact, in the last several days, we've had three bank failures. And so again, I'm asking us as Christians, where is your treasure invested? Because all earthly investments, brothers and sisters, will fail. SFB, the Silicon Valley Bank, was the 16th largest bank in America. The 16th largest. Okay? That's huge. Now, if that, doesn't, if that number doesn't sound big to you, there are over 4,700 FDIC insured commercial banks in America as we speak. 4,700 banks. The SVB Bank was the 16th largest of 4,700. Now, because of FDIC insurance, the FDIC insurance will cover you if you have a, a deposit of 250000 in this bank. The government will make sure you get that money. If you have money more than that, it's gone. And they're already saying they're not going to bail them out. There are a lot of unhappy people right now in California. I understand a lot of tech companies. This was where they put their money. What's my point? The only things we do for God will last forever. Again, we came with nothing. We're going to live with nothing. You guys remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5? It was a very sad tale. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is keeping track of our acts of kindness. That's what he tells us in Matthew chapter 10 verse 42. That even if you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, you've done it for him. God is keeping track. God is keeping track of all we do for him, including our giving. Here we are, we're getting ready to, those of us that are married, a lot of us that are married, we're going off to this retreat. I'm looking forward to it. I'm told that 96 couples have registered. Okay, that's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of people. Multiply that by two. You know, that's going to be exciting. But see, here's what I want to encourage us about. First of all, Peter and Vanessa Martinez have done a phenomenal job just organizing the whole thing with their counterparts and queens and just putting everything together. Guys, kudos to you. Thank you for all your hard work, okay? They've been telling me that a lot of our singles have contributed and donated money so that other married couples who cannot afford the retreat can go. That's exciting to me. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for being, for being so generous. I also know that there are other married couples that have also paid for other people so that they can attend. We're a very generous church. We always have been. We help each other out with the resources God has given to us. And we need to continue to do that more and more. I'm very proud of us. I'm very thankful for our church. We're a very generous church. We help, we help each other out when there's a need. Let's not imitate Ananias and Sapphira. You know their story. Instead, let us be like a Barnabas, who the Bible calls 
son of encouragement. That was his nickname. You know, if we cling to what's not ours, we forfeit it. We're going to forfeit it anyhow. And so continue to just use the resources that God has blessed you with to be a blessing to others. And so again, for all the people that have donated towards the marriage retreat, thank you so much for doing that. Man, I am, I am so proud of us. In Luke chapter 14, in verse 13, it says, but when you give a banquet, this is Jesus speaking, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid. Uh-oh, here's a typo. I'm just seeing it. Sorry. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Okay? You don't spell resurrection that way. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. Okay? <laughs> um, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Brothers and sisters, our instinct is to, go, is to give to those who, who will give back to us. Jesus said, don't, don't do that. Okay? When you give, give. If anything, when you give, Give and invite people that will not be able to pay you back. Remember that God sees everything that you and I do. Amen? Jesus is, Jesus is calling us to, 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 to give to people and to help people that cannot repay us. And that he will repay you. He will repay me at the resurrection of the righteous. And so we need to continue to give to those that are less fortunate than we are. You know, we're in traffic. We see somebody hoping up, holding up a sign saying, you know what? Um, you know, I need some money for food or whatever. I mean, it's okay. Put your hand in your pocket. It, if all you have is $20, then that's then that's good. Just, just give it. It's okay. You're doing it for the Lord. Muy importante. Now, very quickly, I want to talk about obstacles to giving. The first obstacle to giving is idolatry. For us, that's worldliness. Okay? If anything is in your life that's more important than God, that thing is an idol. And for a lot of, a lot of people in this world, money is their idol. Making money is, is their idol. And that's why we got to really guard our hearts, even as Christians. Because my heart always goes where my treasure is. My heart always goes where I put God's money. And so again, I'm asking us again tonight, is your money totally invested in God's church? I put all my chips in. I got no secret accounts or whatever in somewhere else. All, all my investment is in the kingdom of God. I got nothing anywhere else. Because this is the only thing that I know from scripture that's going to outlive me. That as Matthew 6 commands me to send it on ahead. And it's going to be there waiting for me on the other side. You've heard me make this as uh, say this many times before. Show me a man's checkbook. Show me his schedule, show me his uh, credit card statement, and I will tell you where his heart is. Missions contribution is coming up. We do it every year so that missions, I mean, sorry, so that many can continue to hear the gospel in the Caribbean and in Africa. I told us the other day as I was preaching that I, uh, I filed my, uh, uh, my income tax uh, and... Um, that Sunday morning, I had seen how much I was getting back from uh, the U.S. government. And I was shocked that I went into my bank account on uh, Thursday morning 
and my federal return was already in there. I was amazed. I was praising God. That's the fastest ever I've ever received back my, my refund from the federal government. I'm still waiting for the one from New York. But, you know, it came in. And so what did I do? Even as I was preparing this lesson, I went to our church website and I gave my wife and I a special contribution. I just gave it. And we, I gave a, a, a much larger amount than I gave last year. Why am I saying that? I'm not saying that to boast. It's all God's money. Okay? It's all God's money. And number two, another obstacle to giving is acting as if we're owners instead of managers. And again, another reason I'm giving it very quickly so that I don't spend it. Because it's not my money. I don't want to go, oops, oh, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have bought that. But it's not there anymore. It's gone. And so I'm not tempted to go spend it. And then finally, another obstacle to giving is living as if this earth is home. This world is not home. Don Wesley uh, was a Methodist preacher that came from England to America. And uh, he was touring this guy's plantation one day. And the owner said, he's talking to John Wesley. He goes, what do you think of my vast estate? And you know what Wesley's reply was? He goes, I think you are going to have a hard time living all this. I think you're going to have a hard time living all this. Christ commands us to give because this world is not our home. Again, our biggest obstacles to giving is idolatry, selfishness, acting as if we're managers, living as if this earth is home. I mean, this world is not our home. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, and Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, where we choose to store our treasures depends on where we think home is. That's the truth. You and I are called citizens of heaven. There's a song we sing. I'm going to sing it soon, Mike Facey. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We, ca we cannot and we should stop living as if this is it. This ain't home. Jesus has been building this home for you and me on the other side for over 2,000 years now. When you and I get there, it is going to be something to behold. It's going to be tremendous. There was a movie that came out many, many years ago. If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. It is hilarious. It's called The Terminal. Tom Hanks. And the picture on the right showing him during a, a cinema movie, he's trying to sleep. He's in the, he's in the transit lounge somewhere. And a very, very funny, very funny movie. You need to go watch it. And so I said, I, I wrote, good luck trying to be comfortable in a transit lounge. Brothers and sisters, this earth is just a transit lounge. And that's why you cannot get comfortable here. And you shouldn't get comfortable here. Transit lounges are designed in such a way so that you don't, you don't get comfortable there. Okay, you're just passing through. That's what this earth is. That's what this earthly existence is. There is an invisible sign that reads, this is not your home. Don't get comfortable here in every airport. You just can't see it, but it's there. Because that's not your home. That's not my home. I'm just passing through. The same is true for us on this earth. When Borden died and his news was in the newspapers, Somebody wrote, 
And I quote, talking about his life and everything he had given up to go become a missionary. The person said, apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Brothers and sisters, it is so important that you and I invest our money and our lives in God's kingdom. You are not going to regret it. That you can take to the bank. I'm talking of the bank of heaven. Okay? It pays dividends, not just in this life, but for all eternity. God promises you and I a hundred times what we gave up. Like I said a few minutes ago, that's 10,000%. It's a faith issue. The question is, do you really believe that? Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, I put this up last week. I want to encourage us to go look up all these passages. About, it's talking about ill-gotten gain. It's talking about trying to get rich quick and all these different things. It, it doesn't work. If anything, my Bible tells me that he who gathers money little by little makes it grow. And on one of these, you know, midweeks, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to give us a lot more practical stuff in terms of how to invest, quote unquote, the monies God has blessed us with on this earth. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. Okay. But this stuff, they're not going to teach you in high school. They're not going to even teach you in college. But the Bible does talk a lot about how we need to manage God's money. And so principle number three tonight is our hearts always goes where we put God's money. And my prayer is that our treasure is and will always be in the kingdom of God because it's going to last and it's going to, we're going to, you and I are going to reap the dividends, not just for this life, but for all eternity. Like was announced earlier, please, I'm encouraging all the brothers, once we're done with the closing prayer, to go ahead and hand over the device to your wife, or if you're a single brother, then log off, and, uh, and we, need, we need to disappear. I mean, I'm talking within 60 seconds, so that uh, the sisters uh, can, can continue. Uh, they want to talk about uh, Women's Day and what's next for them, as far as following up and uh, and uh, and really following up on all the women that visited um, online and also uh, in person. But again, I hope this has been helpful tonight. Next week, I will talk about principle number four. And then on the last Wednesday, I will do principle number five, and then we'll be done. Uh, and so um, I'm going to ask my wife, Sarah Alloway, to, if you can unmute yourself and lead us in a word of prayer. And then after that, brothers, let's uh, let's allow our sisters to have Zoom, and then uh, we can go put the kids down. I don't have any kids to put down, but uh, you can go uh, do whatever it is you do after midweek service and uh, have a great evening. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you all.